0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: What's up? Welcome in the Hogan Johns. This is the Holgliss. Hogan okay, John's podcast. For once, what do you think, Kevin?
2: Hoagless. I like that.
1: Hoagless? No hoagie. No ho- no hoagie cat. No a- hoagie cat. A- a- Adam ho- Adam Hodgeless. Hoagless hoagie cat. You know we don't have his fun soundboard, or he likes to make fun of me every every once in a while uh, and others in our profession. But uh, he is off to Seattle early with his family celebrating Christmas. So best wes- uh, best wishes to him and his his family, but we're here, Kev. We got another podcast to do with the Seahawks um, in Seattle. Um, I don't know if you care about that game. I don't know if people listening to this care about that you know, game, our, but here we are.
2: Our, our colleague, John Greenberg, asked me this morning, John, hey, he wanted to know if the game was still happening.
1: <laughs> he was serious wait, about that. I saw that.
2: Wait till next week when it's
1: Bears-Giants. Yeah, oh, that's, an, that's an actual game on the schedule.
2: Yes, and I really hope that that is a Mike Glennon revenge game. Oh come on! I mean, I just hope that he's starting for the Giants. Like I hope. Have
1: you seen that thing going around on, on social media of the money he's made, and it's just oh, like on his neck, yeah, and it's and his neck getting longer. Although I feel yeah. like that is that's his real neck, and a big chunk of that neck is like the eighteen and a half million that the Bears and Ryan Pace gave him for that, what
2: four starts? Hey. Jordan Howard catches that ball against Atlanta. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Mike Glennon could still be here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No. 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 This is where oh. Hogwood hit this. Nope.
1: Yeah, but we don't, I don't have the soundboard. I don't have those capabilities, but you know the deal. I know the deal. Welcome in, Hogan Johns. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Let's give Adam Hogue a little love. Adam Hogue, you can read him at NBC Sports Chicago. You got Kevin Fishbane and myself. I'm sure you follow us on Twitter already. We're on The Athletic, theathletic.com. Check it out. I think there's some new deals going on as well, so if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, click on one of our links on Twitter and check us out. All right, Kev, um, before we get to Seattle... Since this has been a a bit of a different week, we didn't do one, uh, uh, we didn't do a post-game episode on Monday, we did it on Tuesday, Um, we got to put a bow, as Adam Hogue would say, on the Vikings game. So let's start with our voicemails from that game, and I'm sure given the officiating, given the hits on fields, given uh, Matt Nagy's outburst on the sideline, these could be pretty good
2: hello do you know who this is
3: oh you didn't know your ass better call somebody the hogan john's voicemail the hogan, the hogan. john's voicemail lies. believe it or not george isn't at home please leave a message at the beep
0: Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game.
3: Go Bears! Okay, get Johnson, babe. Get a G back there on the glass. Boys, It's is Bob DeFroskis calling in here live from Soldier, Field. Chicago. Not sick. Anyway, boys, uh, the Bears here are fit to shock the world, okay? We got Justin Fields back, a quarterback. He's healthy, 100%. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of injuries are on the Bears, maybe a couple of COVID issues. I've heard through the grapevine that maybe they don't have their entire secondary big whoop. That just means there's more chances for Justin Fields to come out there and dominate this football game. Five touchdowns in the first half. Let's double that up tonight, boys. Ten touchdowns. Maybe he'll need three quarters, but they can do it. The third quarter is a Bears specialty. Let's go. Chicago Bears, Bear down. Bring it home. Let's go. Score the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, sorry, sorry, Jonesy, babe. But, uh, Kirk Cousins can't get us on on Monday Night Football. Bear down, Chicago Bears.
0: So, I've been on Cole Komet's
3: side for a while, but, you know, first pass of the game, it, I'm starting to really fear that the guy has some serious butter fingers. Why do the refs hate Chicago? Yeah, I'll say what you want about Matt and then He's, uh, prepared, preparedness and uh, play calling and what have you, but, uh... It is great when he's mad at the official, isn't it? Hoggy, Johnsy, I mean, what do you even say? Second and 18 on the first drive, and let's run it up the middle for a gain of one. I mean, it didn't take long to figure out who was calling the plays. What doghouse did 27 have to dig himself
4: out of to be able to play, and why hasn't he been on the field all year? Just curious.
3: I will call every damn week and wonder why in the hell are we running the Wildcat when Justin Fields gives you a better option of running the damn ball? I do not get it. And that's it. And that's it. And off, off this game goes off the TV. I mean, you are spineless. You are down 10 nothing in a game that means nothing to you but everything to your opponent. It's fourth and one, and you go for the field goal to make it a seven-point game. In a game you haven't even managed to put up a touchdown in. These... A dark time. Hey guys, it's halftime. Could be spending my time watching a holiday comedy starring the likes of Will Ferrell and Zoe Deschanel, but instead I'm watching a Chicago Bears holiday tragedy starring poor play calling and uh, bad execution. Where's the remote? I
0: hate to say it, it started to doubt Fields. God, I don't want to doubt
3: him. Let him go, let him go. It's time to fire Nagy's ass. Let him go, let him go. Get him out of here real fast. We're still here against Ted, Pace, and Matt. It's time for them all to go away. Well, f*** this. I'm going for the record for most expletives and a voicemail message. F- in Fields get launched out of f***ing bounds, no f***ing flag. Then a the f***ing dipshit blames Jenkins for coming to his f***ing defense. You should be f***ing doing that, but no. These f-ing officials being suck so f-ing much. It's a f***ing joke. And again, f*** you, Roger. I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to skip over all of the specifics and just get to
4: the point with Justin. Do not blame him for this mess.
3: I need a behavioral health assessment. Well, boys, I am visiting family from Arizona up in the Chicagoland area. My dad had tickets to this game, and thank God I talked him out of going to watch this f***ing train wreck. Please end the season. Yo, you George McCaskey should be ashamed of himself to let this man still be coaching. Nagy's going to f***ing break field. He's going to break him. Yeah, this is Matt Glovin from Austin Tech. There's just a lot of whys that need to be found after this game. A lot of whys that need to be answered.
0: Oh, Johns, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 48 years old. I've been a Bears fan since I was a little kid. I can't quit the bears. I moved across the country,
3: a thousand miles away from Chicago. I listen to you guys, I listen to other podcasts, and I buy direct TV to watch the stupid bears every single week. It's pointless. This is miserable. This is misery. It's been so bad for so long I don't even know what to do. Bear down.
1: Which one did you like better? The the record setting F Bombs or the Frozen song? Oh,
2: give me Frozen all day. That was uh I I like the creativity. It's obviously a fantastic song, as you know. Uh, So I I like that.
1: Uh, Well, we had asked, like, I had asked for singing. Like, this needs to be a little bit more lively. Everybody's so doom and gloom. I mean, they have their reasons to be doom and gloom, but (laughs) but you know we can have some fun with this. Go ahead.
2: What I love about it is, is you have like, like this is why we do this. Is that these you had like you had Bob Dabrowski, you had fans who were at the game. They know this team is terrible. They hate so much about this franchise, and there they are. They're still supporting the team. I had a friend in town, and he was it was able to watch the game with his dad. He hasn't been in town been able to be in town for a while, and he's like, "My dad is just yelling at the TV, yelling at the refs." And I'm like, "This team is so bad. You're still." And he goes, "Yes, that, that's what that's what fandom is." So yeah, I I appreciate the. Um, the grit, the fire, and the passion—that <laughs> the grit and fire, and passion that uh, the Bears' had coached. Mis- misery
1: Yeah, misery loves company. That that game, Kev, set like a record, did it not for like viewers?
2: Most viewers for a Week 15 Monday Night game in 10 years. <laughs> now I don't know what and the other game, week. Yeah. yeah, I haven't gone through all the Week 15 games, but I, I have to imagine there was a a, a better matchup than. Uh, The four and nine Bears against the whatever Vikings.
1: Call them the Kirk Cousins led Vikings. Kirk Cousins threw for
2: eighty seven (laughs) yards
1: and one. Uh, 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 All those people
2: who um, bet every single over prop on Justin Jefferson.
1: Yeah, it's it's maddening. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, We could get to the field's discussion. Mike Sano, our friend from the Athletic, the national writer, is going to join us here. Uh, in about 10 minutes or so. Um, but, but Kev, before we get to that, like, so I, I have this article today up on The Athletic about the potential changes that could be coming to the Bears. Let me ask you, like, we heard the same rumblings last year. We did. Then Mitch Trubisky goes out and somehow leads the Bears back to the playoffs. wasn't pretty. They didn't beat the Saints, but they got back in the playoffs. But the, the rumblings are back. League sources or league sources, but but I'm curious. Like, how do you feel about this? Like, do you believe in the Bears? Did do you do you think they actually make changes this time, given everything we've discussed in every single podcast leading up to this point? Coming off that ugly loss to the Vikings, like, what's next for this team?
2: Well, you know, John's uh, to quote um, Dark Knight. Some people like to just watch the world burn. So I do, there's a part of me that thinks it'd be very entertaining if George McCaskey comes out on January 9th and says, we've decided to extend Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. But I think we're past the point of even joking about that. Um, And I think there was a little time during the Thanksgiving fiasco where you knew what was coming for the coaching staff, but you still thought that there was a way that that the, the GM could stay I it's it's hard to to make a case for that. Obviously, you laid out the scenarios, and I think what we try to do is, you know, let people know what we think, what we're hearing, but also what we understand about the way this franchise operates. And it, I think we know George McCaskey would love to find a way to keep Ryan Pace. Like, if there's some kind of way to do it, and not you know, totally anger the entire fan base, he he would find a way. But at least I think the The murmurs are growing louder and louder that he is finally going to. There's finally going to be a very significant change in that front of us. Now, obviously, anything can happen. Anything can change in the next few weeks, but it certainly seems like, based on what we've been hearing, based on what's been going on out there, that, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And it's just now it just depends on what those exact changes are and who the people are that
1: uh, will become part of this front office. Yeah, yeah. It's. I'm not, I I promised myself I wasn't going to use the word layers. So that's the only time I'm going to use that word uh, on this podcast. But there's so much, so much to it. Um, And I don't think there has to be so much to it. I I feel like if they just simplify their thought process on this, right? I, I get the emotions for Ryan Pace. I get the emotions for Ted Phillips. I do. The guy's been in his place. Since 1999, he's worked for the team longer than that. He has done, I know this will be debated by fans, but in the McCaskey's opinion, he's done so much for them. He's done so much for their franchise. Where are they valued at? Like $4 billion right now? And they could have more if they build their own stadium in Arlington Heights? And of course, Ted Phillips probably needs to be involved in that, but... I don't know. I don't know. If you're interested in the article, uh check it out on uh theathletic.com. We have a lot going on there today. Um uh, what are you watching?
2: Oh, sorry, I have this monitor set up, so <laughs> it, it it like it distracts me a little bit. Um and I just I, I saw I saw a tweet pop up that I thought was relevant and it wasn't.
1: No, it wasn't? Okay.
2: I should just okay. turn the I could just turn the monitor off.
1: No, you're good, you're good, you're good.
2: Um, I just want to, you know, because I want to be able to break in with breaking news if something happens.
3: Yeah.
1: But it's not the same without Adam Hogue's soundboard. No. No. Breaking news.
2: Um, everyone should go read your article. I, I think one of my takeaways from your article is something I've been thinking about a lot as the season's gone along is, you know, George McCaskey is not Jerry Jones, Right. Obviously, and he's not even you know Robert Kraft. Some of these, some of these owners, some of these power brokers in the league, and you know he's very loyal, and he relies heavily on the advice of Ted Phillips. He relies heavily on Ryan Pace, obviously, but like this is an opportunity for George McCaskey to just really take, for lack of a better word, ownership.
1: <laughs> I was about to, to own the team, yeah.
2: For uh, on this team, like the, he's just got to make the calls, and he's been in this job long enough. I mean, you can even make the argument that a guy who was born in the family he was born into with the franchise and his family should have enough understanding of of the league and the sport and all that stuff that he could you know make these decisions and 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 have these conversations with the right people um and and be able to move forward. you know the one thing that's interesting too John Z I know I've said this in the podcast before everyone's like oh, you need a president of football ops, you need a president of football ops, and I think they're you know they're at the point where you need the person who is going to be hiring the GM. If it's not going to be George McCann, you know, if, if George is going to be part of it, if there's gonna be somebody else there, it cannot be Ted Phillips anymore. Ryan Pace is the president of football operations. Like there's a way that this structure could have worked. Like Ryan Pace does that. Like everything that you want a quote unquote president of football operations to do. Ryan Pace does that. He does it already. So, but the problem is, is if, you, if you're if you moving on from him and you need a new GM, if George McKenzie's going to do it all himself, he's got there's got to be that in between. And knowing this organization, there's no reason. I mean, do you think that whoever, let, let's say George hires a president of football ops and then they hire a GM and they hire a head coach. What's to tell you in three years this thing is not going to
1: yeah. fall apart? Right? Like, Cause you, like,
2: you, how could you trust them to, to make the right
1: choices? Like they hired the wrong people. Like they hired Mark Trestman and Phil Emery, yeah. It's it's a problem now, again, it's, you, you, if
2: if George wants to point to Ted Phillips as being part of the you know problem in those hirings, and then you you move him out of that role, that I, that that makes sense because it, he's out of that role, and then, and then you've made a systemic change to the way that you make
1: hires. We got Mike Sandel coming up, but like here's my my strongest thought on this: is when they have these house cleanings. They never line up properly. They're never true house cleanings. So for how the Bears operate, like who are the three most important people? Your GM, your head coach, and your quarterback. They've never lined up where it's just a clean slate for all. of them. And you can argue they don't exist in the NFL, but you know what? Just, just look at the Bears' history, right? They hire Phil Emery. He's told he's got to keep Lovie Smith on for a year. It's not a clean slate. It's not a clean slate. And we all later, knew where that was going. Yeah. So he fires him after a 10-6 season, says goodbye to Brian Urlacher. You got Charles Tillman and, and Lance Briggs who are upset. Half that team's upset. Devin Hester's gone. It makes for a bad situation. Mark Tristman, it was an unwinnable situation, especially his first year. All right. Flash forward to uh, the hiring of Ryan Pace. Jake Cutler's under contract for two years because of guaranteed money. Like, he played one year, one year on that massive contract for Phil Emery. Whoever was taking over that team next was inheriting some of that contract. You could have argued that the Bears should have just eaten it and gotten rid of them, but that's just bad business. No one's trading for him, that's a lot of money to eat. He still brought stability to the position, but it's still Jay Cutler. So you had your next head coach, John Fox, your next GM, Ryan Pace, stuck with Jay Cutler, essentially, for two years.
2: And you could argue that you had your GM, Ryan Pace, stuck with John Fox.
1: Yes. Yes, you can argue that. All right, so now Ryan Pace decides to make his move at quarterback, trades up against Mitch Trubisky. But there's still John Fox, and we know how that story goes, right? Right. John Fox didn't know about that until the day of the draft. It is what it is at this point. But then again, that's my point. Now he's out. Your head coach gets the quarterback in year two. Two years later, here comes Nick Foles. Here (laughs) here comes Andy. You you know what I'm saying? It's just like the three most important things in your franchise are people in your franchise. Your GM, your coach. And your quarterback are just never in line. And it's about to happen again. It's going to happen again.
2: I was just going to say, you know, one of my questions when we get a chance to talk to George McCaskey is going to be, how important is it for them to hire a GM or head coach who wants Justin Fields? Right? Like it What's sounds. That, like it,
1: wasn't that the conversation for Trubisky.
2: It was, yeah, and but like we saw how that didn't pan out. And people
1: say things to get jobs.
2: I mean, we could talk about this with Mike Sando, but, like, you look at what Fields has done this year, and, I mean, I, I, I still believe in the guy. Like, I still want to give him another shot, obviously, with everything that's going on around him, but, like, are you going to limit yourself to a GM and a head coach to believe in him? Are you going to be, like, do you want somebody come in who wants to bring in another quarterback? And, and like, again, it's just, you're right. You You haven't been able to get those three together on the
1: same page. They've never been aligned. No. In the era of George McCaskey. And I think that's a problem and it's about to happen again. I'm not arguing to keep Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace at this point. And I'm point. not
2: arguing to get rid of Justin Fields, but yeah, it's just it, going to be just, but it's going to be an like, awkward thing again.
1: It's the you know, the argument for continuity. The only continuity the Bears have is the lack of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's the only continuous I like thing that. they got going. You should
2: get that, on, get that on a t-shirt. Get,
1: get that on a shirt. That's a good time. The plug. Get, a hat. Great get hat. a hat. Great hat. Great Obvious hat. Obviousshirts.com. That is the Hogan Johns beanie, I believe. And I got the hoodie right here. All right. Let's bring in Mike Sando. He is the national. He's one of the, our national NFL writers for The Athletic. Um, let's get his thoughts. And all things Bears. <laughs> You can follow Mike at Sando NFL. it's S-A-N-D-O-N-F-L, that's his Twitter handle, and you can listen to him on the Football GM Podcast with Randy Mueller. Uh, be sure to check that out as well, please. Uh, Mike, what's going on? You know, not too much. Good to be here. Are you ready to uh, help us on a coaching search or potential GM search here in Chicago? <laughs> You know,
4: yes, I'm doing some of my own homework on that just to get ready for the season. Tis the season, right, uh, around the NFL. It's different this year, though. I mean, I think last year we had five or six GM jobs that were open at this time, and we don't even know how many will this year. It's kind of a goes and flo- ebbs and flows, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah, well,
1: we'll, we'll get to that in, in a little bit. Let's, uh, <laughs> you know, the the looming— searches you know as as writers always kind of like hangs over your head doesn't it like you know the, the the changes that are coming but um we'll talk about that in a little bit can we can we just start with like you know Justin Fields was asked about Russell Wilson the other day and always being compared to him I'm curious Mike like you covered Russell Wilson like what's what do you think of that I don't that's not the comparison that
4: I would make um I felt it was a little bit more of a Josh Allen comparison uh uh, which we can get to in a minute but when when Russell came in uh, to the Seahawks I was actually covering the NFC West then uh, for ESPN at that time we, we had the eight divisional yeah. guys and uh, and I did the NFC West and I I had covered Seattle for more than ten years uh, by that time so I really had a good feel for the organization and uh, they were coming off two seven and nine seasons under Pete Carroll. Uh, but Pete Carroll was just a great coach who had written a book about his philosophy and was extremely confident. And if you remember, they had signed their own Andy Dalton at that time. They had signed Matt Flynn. And yeah. everybody thought, well, they paid Matt Flynn more than Andy Dalton at the time relative. You know, it was a, he had multiple-year deal. And so it was kind of gutsy. Pete put uh, took a look at, at Russell Wilson in practice and said, we're going to start him. Uh, and that's really the, Pete is the opposite of, of Matt Nagy to me, uh, not just different sides of the ball, but Pete was so much further down the road in his maturity as a coach. He had already failed in the NFL and he had come back and really examined himself in terms of what do I need to do to be a a great coach? And then he became a great coach and proved it at USC. So he had a lot of skins on the wall. He was very credible when he spoke. Uh, and he he was fresh, you know, only a couple years in Seattle. They remember they had gone to the playoffs with that plucky team that was seven and nine and beat the defending Super Bowl champs. They had Marshawn Lynch, there were some things coming together on defense. I felt like that. And then, remember, he, he was 26 touchdowns and 10 interceptions as a rookie. Yeah, Fields has seven and 10. Seattle finished that rookie season in the playoffs. He threw for 385 yards in a playoff game in Atlanta, and you felt like this was going to go. So I don't – I'm not seeing that comparison. And then Russell was an undersized guy. I think the comparison would be, you know, people were positive about their makeups, right? That These were tough, mentally tough guys who were going to put in the work and do the right things and say the right things, and you you didn't have to worry about them – like in any way necessarily emotionally or off the field. Maybe that's the comparison, but I think the situations are different. The players are different. Certainly the first seasons are different.
2: Well, let's get into the Josh Allen comparison then because I think if you're a Bears fan, at this point, like you're kind of hoping for the Josh Allen comparison to come through because Allen's been a bit of a unicorn in that regard when you look at the stats that he's the guy that had the bad rookie year and then figured things out. So where where are you at in that kind of comparison and what you've seen from Justin Fields that tells you maybe he could – have that kind of improvement as his career goes along.
4: Yeah, see, I like that one. When I look at – I was just looking before we came on. So, to me, Ryan Tannehill and Josh Allen are two potential comps, guys that were taken in the first round, but they weren't so overwhelmingly popular as, as draft picks that they went number one overall, right? Someone was yeah. taking some kind of an evaluation, a little bit of a risk on it. Both um, of those guys, Tannehill and Allen, were also kind of um, – I don't know that I necessarily put Fields in this category, but they were kind of athletes, right? I mean, uh, Tannehill had played receiver. Josh Allen was this huge guy. I think Allen's a good cop for the size uh, uh, of the two guys. And then people having some questions uh, about them coming out. Uh, but they all, all three of those guys completed less than 60% as rookies. They were all below seven yards per attempt. They're all probably going to finish like Fields probably will with more interceptions and touchdowns, right? They took a lot of sacks, losing records. They're not things you necessarily want to have, uh, but you do see that those two players on different timelines were able to kind of come out of it when the situation was right around them. And I kind of feel that about Fields. I, I don't feel like Fields obviously is just going to overcome any situation and be great. I mean, who does that? A- Andrew Luck or you, you know John Elway or there, there's a few guys who come into bad situations maybe. And, uh, and I wouldn't even put Denver without Elway in that situation, but, and really just overcome it anyway. So it took Allen, you know, they had a good plan. They had things around them. They built it around them that to me, that's the comp you got, you got to build it right around them. And when you look yeah. at the, the bears, they've got a ways to go right around them with the the weaponry and, um, all of that.
1: So, so going off that, Mike, um, your former ESPN colleague, Kevin Seifert, um, had this article before the Vikings game did that it, it did not go over well in Chicago. Let me let me tell you that did not go over, um, where he was critical of Fields, but he, and he used QBR. Um, uh, I'm curious for your thoughts on it because you, you use QBR and other metrics to, to measure quarterbacks, and then like going off that, like is is there really a fair way to evaluate a Justin Fields or a, a Trevor Lawrence because like uh, like you said the situation.
4: I'm smiling because I get a chance to poke holes in Seaford. I mean, Kevin's one of my great friends from ESPN. We worked together. (laughs) We talked last night on the phone. I mean, we're close. Uh, I didn't talk to him about this. But if I could pick one guy that I know in the business who would write a piece off of 10 starts, it wouldn't be Kevin. I mean, it's not normally – Kevin's very uh, – I mean, I think he has a saying like the the, the tortoise wins the race. So um, I think it's really interesting research. I would want to know the research. I don't know that I'd write it off ten starts. Um, uh, and I, look, I was the evangelist for QBR when I was at ESPN. I, 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 they actually came to me before it went out uh, publicly and were like, "Hey, do you want to try to write the story to explain this?" Because I love this stuff. I, lo- I love yeah. to look at metrics to compare. I actually did some work with Bill Polian when I was there on, "Hey, what do you? When do you know enough about a rookie?" We did a QBR study looking at, "Can you? Do they ever improve off their first season?" And we kind of thought at the time, you know, maybe a lot of times they don't. Meaning, hey, if you show it great early, maybe that's our best indication. I don't I don't think it's enough games. I think that's a tough one. Unless I really felt like there was real reason to question the makeup of the player. Um, like Josh Rosen was like that coming out. You just heard enough about him that I didn't want to bet on him. I don't know if this situation, is, that there's enough negative for me to want to say that, hey, off of 10 starts, it's one of the worst ever, because then you're kind of implying that he may be one of the worst ever. I don't feel that yet. I kind of want to see uh, more of a full season in a better situation um, to before I do that piece.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think where I stood on it. Um and I, I love Kevin's writing. Uh to be honest with you, I, I really do. Yeah, yeah. Um is the, the, like to go back to your Russell what you were saying about Russell Wilson like like Matt Nagy never gave Justin Fields a realistic chance at winning the job in training camp. Like he played with backups the entirety of training camp, the off-season program and preseason, like he never played with the Bears' best players, rarely played with them. And then, three weeks into the season, um, he changes his plan. He's thrown in against Cleveland, um, and looked overwhelmed. But he should have been overwhelmed just because of everything before it. And that's a good defense. He have Miles Garrett, um, like all of that. I just, I just feel like. When you're considering the numbers with Justin Fields, you have to take into account like so much and how much of this was a systemic failure on him. Like going back to to the preseason, going back to training camp, going back to the Bears giving up on their plan and Andy Dalton and shifting immediately to Justin Fields just a few weeks in the season. It just seemed so. It seems like such a problem. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, I, I feel that with him. I, I think there's been some p- positive things. There's a lot of things you can you could pick holes in. One of the things I don't like about how this is totally independent of um, Kevin's story. One of the things I think you can do with any player is you can uh, put, break down five plays on film and say and create a story like he's really seeing it or he's not seeing it. And I just think that's terrible. Like, I hate that. Because I think you can do that with anybody in any game. We could put together a film showing that Peyton Manning has no idea what he's doing, right? When he plays, he was confused. Or we could say that Josh Rosen really gets it, and here's why. Um, It's not enough to me. And and the circumstances are dire enough and grave enough um, that I – this is another thing with these guys. You see this happen a fair amount. Somebody comes in, and it's it's a regime on their last legs. And then the quarterback, whoa, what do you know? The quarterback didn't fix everything in one year. Yeah. Right. I mean, Daniel Jones has gone through this. There's uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be going through it. Uh, there's a lot of first round draft picks who get their second coach in their second year. Um, and it's Mr. a difficult, Trubisky,
1: it just happened here. Like, a few yeah, years
4: it's ago. A difficult. It's a little bit of a difficult situation, but, but in Chicago, I kind of want to see that. Uh, I want to see him with a different, in a different situation with somebody who is a calming influence, who understands it, uh, I feel like one of the things about Matt Nagy is it's he doesn't calm the situation. I, I want that's why almost when we talk about candidates there I kind of I kind of want the Jim Caldwell. I mean I wish look I wish he was 52 and not whatever 66. But uh, shoot I wish I was 38 instead of I'm not even going to disclose no. Um be quiet Kevin don't say a word. word. Yeah. But but I <laughs> I really want a sense of, we got this and we know what we're doing. This yeah. is the plan. And I feel like Matt Nagy's style is just kind of, I don't know if it rubs you the wrong way or it just it just doesn't calm it. It almost invites suspicion. Matt Nagy almost invites suspicion sometimes with the way he phrases it or he doesn't quite tell you exactly what it is. And you sort of, everyone knows that it's not quite exactly that, but you understand why he's saying it that way. Yeah. I just want someone to sit in that chair and say, Hey, look guys, we're not making an evaluation after six games. There's a lot going on here. And then I want to feel like, Hey, this coach has a runway a little bit that we're going to get to see this play out. And we don't have to have it be a referendum after every game on, well, who was calling the plays.
1: Yeah.
4: Right? There's just a lot going on there that, just, that makes it hard to evaluate Justin Fields, like you're saying. It doesn't give him a free pass. Shoot, I wish he uh, was having an MVP season too. But it's a down year in offense in the league anyway, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A
4: lot of quarterbacks are not having their best year. They're asking Dak Prescott every week, hey, how come you're not hitting the big plays? They're asking Mahomes half the games. Uh, Tom Brady just got shut out. Russell Wilson's been shut out. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has lost by thirty-five to the Saints. Hey, Justin Fields, how come it's not going well? There's a lot of reasons uh, that I I, I just want to see it with somebody who's who's got a who's got a plan, a little bit of a history, uh, has a runway, and it's not a referendum every week, and we can let it play out. Ten games to me under these circumstances is crap for Justin Fields.
2: You know, Mike, I think it's a it's a good segue to talk about some of the the potential head coaches. Um and, and I think it's fascinating you brought up Jim Caldwell because I think he is to me, he's that guy where he is an offensive guy and he's been a head coach before. As opposed to trying to do this again, where you're trying, everyone's trying to find the next Sean McVay, all that stuff. The Bears tried it with Matt Nagy, obviously didn't work. Um, You know, you talk about you hire if you hire the defensive coach. Is Justin Fields going to go through offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator? Um, You know, everyone you'd love to find the next Mike Tomlin or or John Harbaugh. Who Who are some guys that you think you, especially with
4: Fields, could be a good match? So if I was going to go the first-time head coach route and I thought that Josh Allen comp was there, I mean, that leads to naturally investigating Brian Dayball, right? At least investigate him. Hey, wh- how do you want to play? How do you envision the team? Uh, what what would this look like? What's our plan? And then do you feel comfortable with whatever that is uh, uh, there? And, and if it's if it's not that, then um, I do want the offensive side. I think Caldwell checks those boxes of, of hey, the guy won in Detroit. Uh, Matthew Stafford, he got him some context around him and how they played the offense that, that he, he he had some success. Um, he works well with quarterbacks. He's kind of a stern, no-nonsense guy, but you kind of like him too. There's kind of a balance uh, between those things, but I think he could sit there and take weather the storm a little bit uh, and maybe take some of the pressure off of the quarterback. And uh, I know, you know, actually when he – you can actually look this up. When Detroit hired him, I actually did a column saying it's a good hire because I had talked to people that were with him um in Indy. I knew Bill Polian, as I mentioned earlier, when I w- when he was at ESPN. I also knew Brock Heward, who was uh who was at Seattle when I was covering him and Brock was Peyton Manning's backup for a year. So he gave me some good uh, insight at the time on uh, on Caldwell. And so you just wanna look at look at him and and vet it and hey, uh where are you at? And you know, he left he he did leave Miami, which everyone's left Miami, so it probably has more to do with Miami. But you know, just figure it out. Make sure everything is right. Listen to his plan with him. Hey, what does he think of Justin Fields? Did he have him as a third round pick coming out? Then maybe he's not the guy. Did he think he should have been one, number one overall? Maybe I'm excited. Uh, figure out those types of things. But I, but I think it's like a, a, an overall calming influence on a situation in a tough market, uh, a really tough market. The other thing about the comps with Tannehill and Josh Allen is. They were at places that had good histories, but had but were so hungry, hadn't won in a while. M- Miami had Marino, right? And then they just they've been looking, and and Buffalo had Jim Kelly, and we went twenty years. That's kind of where Chicago is. So, so I want to I want someone who embraces that comp a little bit and says, "I see something in this guy." Uh, it's a bad situation. Here's how we bring it out.
1: Like, how much weight do you think? Like we were talking earlier on the show, like when. Matt Nagy was hired. I imagine Mitch Trubisky dominated that conversation. Like, should everything be geared towards Justin Fields? Or do you need that honest perspective? Oh, you you definitely
4: want honest. You definitely want honest. uh, And if you interview four candidates and they all raise serious questions about Fields, I mean, that tells you something, too. I don't know how open to change and big change the, the bears are, right, or traditionally have been. I mean, I think Dan Pompey's piece was great about hiring a president and doing all that. Is that really going to happen there? Uh, you know, you're probably going to be getting incremental change where you come in and, hey, you have to sort of buy into fields because we already did. We've put a lot into this. And I would think there's enough positivity around fields that you, you're you not going to have everybody say, I don't want to work with them, but I think you got to listen. And, and if that's the theme you're getting and be open to anything.
2: And, and Mike, I'm curious your take on the, um, the new interview rules this year with the head coaches, because I think there's a lot of people, a lot of fans, just, they're like, they see this new rule and they say, well, let's go get a head start, get going. If you know, you're moving on, you know, we've talked in this podcast a lot. That's just not the way the bears have operated um that you know they we all know they've never made an in-season move um i'm curious what what advantages do you think it seems obvious that there's advantages to get a head start but we've also seen the first team who hires a head coach might have picked the wrong guy so what, what's your view that's on, exactly on the what rules? i was gonna say is yeah.
4: like like i would if i know i'm moving on i kind of wouldn't mind opening that door and just just take the intrigue out of it and make us give us a path where we can have the conversations we need to have to get at a competitive advantage. It doesn't mean you need to make it higher, but if you know you're going to make a change, then there's probably a point in December when you start working on that. That being said, no one else has, I mean, the Jaguars went, but that was a little bit of a different situation. It's not like there's 10 openings right now and everyone else is getting a head start and you're watching candidates go by. I totally think you take your time. Uh, that's been proven. I mean, I think, I think when Arizona hired, hired Bruce Arians, it might've been the last hire, you know, <laughs> you can certainly find those. I like the, the, pro, having the good process. We've seen Pittsburgh do that. We, every time there's a story about how do you hire, right? They talk to Tony Dungy and it's about knowing what you want and taking time to get there. Cause there is somebody. You have to find them. I'm sitting here in December saying, well, Jim Caldwell looks good, but maybe there's three other guys that are great fits for the Bears. So I don't even, not even on my radar. They have to do that work. Uh, it's very hard to do. It's kind of, I always joke like head coaches and quarterbacks are the most important things in your building, and no one knows how to hire either one. Isn't it true? Yeah. I mean, you, you're nervous on all of these. So that's why I gravitate a little bit towards, well, who's done it before and had success, but um I, I would get some sort of a jump on it if you know you're going to do it. I don't think it has to be done today, but uh, maybe you even have. Maybe there's someone else on the staff that you want to look at in a three-game stretch, right? Just sort of know yeah. what you have. Um, is there a coach on the staff that you would even possibly consider um, doing? It's a
1: very, it's a very good point for the Bears because Brandon Staley was on their staff.
4: Brandon Staley was on their staff. They, uh uh, you, you know, we've obviously seen them share play calling duties, uh, offensively. Uh, would you want to look at Bill Lazor? Uh, Sean Desai is a young coach on the defensive side. Would you want to look at him? Um, I even think you have to be able to value yourself. We talked about GM, you know, GM and GM candidates. You have champ Kelly there. He's going he's gotten interviews in multiple cycles. Is he going to get interviews this year and get a GM job and be the next good GM somewhere? Well, you better know what you got. Did he, would he have done five things differently than Ryan Pace did? Uh, would he have done a different quarterback? And whenever they did Trubisky or in Andy Dalton, or anything? you need to know the answers to all those questions, and not just try to win the press conference with "We hired the next hot guy." You need to know who you have. And Brandon Staley is a good example. I don't. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame, but it, but it looks pretty good, you know, in the beginning stages with the Chargers. Uh, don't let that happen again.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point. Even with the like, I've always felt covering the Bears' coaching searches, there was this sense of urgency, and, and like I respect that that mindset. Like y- you do need to to move with some speed, but at the same time, you mentioned Bruce Arians. Um, look what happened with the Colts with Josh McDaniels, and then they went and got Frank Reich. Like things happen differently. Um, even Kyle Shanahan, like the, they had to wait for him. I always felt like there was a sense of urgency. Um, at least from the people that I've talked to, oh, we got to go fill out our staff. We got to go find other coaches and stuff like that. We got to get everything in order. But I, I think to your point that there's value in taking your time and and really taking your time to get that head coaching spot right because it all starts right there.
4: Yep, and you have to know you have to know what you want, and then you know the the, the handicap that you've got with the Bears or a lot of teams is. Uh, does the whole structure need to be reevaluated, and that's hard yeah. to get teams to do right? Um, if any of us was asked, how would we improve? Uh, if how could our company improve what we're doing? We probably wouldn't suggest things that that would compromise ourselves, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. nobody yeah. would do yeah. that yeah. in no. any profession. Almost. So you're
1: like they got to be considering those things right now. Yeah. Like this. the owner like, does. The yes. owner has to consider yes. that. Yes. Right now, all right, Mike. uh, Thank you. One last question before I let you go, because we ask all our Thursday guests for this. Who do you like in the game, Bears or Seahawks? Take a pick.
4: Uh, I will lean towards the Seahawks. I mean, I they're playing decent defensively. It's funny they're giving up a ton of yards but not letting anyone score welcome Chicago Bears with <laughs> 75 drives inside the 10-yard line and none of them scored the other yeah. night. So I think, well. it could, I think it could be a somewhat repeat of the Viking game. It's, it seems similar to me. You know, Russell Wilson's not really doing well, uh, but maybe does well enough that they get their 17 or 20 points. Pete Carroll will want to play that game anyway. He'll want to play it that way. And the Bears will have a bunch of red zone drives
1: uh, that are frustrating. That's what I see. Oh, uh, uh, so you're telling everyone not to watch. But everybody will. <laughs> yeah, we'll the see. They're set records for viewership. but um, Mike, thank you so much. Um, happy holidays to you. Um, thank you so much. Um, be sure to follow Mike at, at Sando NFL. Let me do that right one more time. At Sando NFL. It's S-A-N-D-O-N-F-L. And be sure to check out his Football GM Podcast with Randy Mueller. Always great stuff there. Please check it out. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to dot com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Great stuff from Mike Sando and Kev. Could you just imagine covering another uh, game like that?
2: Um, like you could no, envision you know, it happening, yeah. Like, yeah, we, no, I could. I mean, man, this team like ever since 2018, they can't, they they just don't score touchdowns. And you could, yeah, you could absolutely see because Seattle Seattle gives up a ton of yards, as Mike said. But uh, yeah, it could be a big game for Cairo Santos. It'd be a here's the matchup to watch, Johnsey, Chris Tabor versus Matt Nagy, because don't you think Matt Nagy like. Is going to just get to the situation where it's like, all right, it's week 16. We all know where this thing's going. We've gotten all the way down here. Let's just keep going for and just try to score touchdowns. Oh, no, there's,
1: I am. I am, But I'm completely here for the, the F at Matt yeah. Nagy show. Yes.
2: I think, and I think you should. I think you should go for it all the time and yes. just try to score touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. But I want him calling group-
1: plays and just... F it. Yeah, I'm doing. It. I'm going out on my own terms. I'm, Maybe I'm not versus
2: that. Tabor per se, because I think Tabor would probably understand that. Maybe Matt Nagy versus Cairo Santos, who's going to? Yeah, I could. I could see it. You know, the Brock Osweiler gif of him. You know, running out. Maybe there'll be a lot of those Cairo Santos on
1: <laughs> uh, Sunday. Grabs his helmet, to run like, out for a like, kick. Nope, going for it on fourth down. Five again. step trot and, and back. Nope. Nah, he loses his mind. He yells at his yeah. kicker. You know, it's all <laughs> the seasons missing, right? Um, we got to preview of this game. We do. Gonna do it quickly. All right, let's do it quickly. Question I, number one.
2: Yeah, question one. All right, here we go.
1: <laughs> Should Thomas Graham Jr. start a cornerback?
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, I well, we're 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 going to talk a couple hours after this recording. We're going to hear from Sean Desai, and he's going to get the question of has this guy been. And we, we've we been around this but Johns where sometimes guys just Don't do it on the practice field like You give them that shot And they show what they're capable of The question follow up is Why didn't he get that shot earlier I, I Considering think, what you had out there But
1: I think Graham has articulated this so well Multiple times now After he the has. game And yesterday over Zoom with us He lost his confidence He did not feel mm-hmm. like a football player For a while He did not play for like he didn't play football last year for, for Oregon. People forget that. Um, sometimes it takes time to get back in the flow, back into the swing of things. He missed a lot of time playing football.
2: Yeah. No, he's the start, and you know what you have in Kindleville Door. You know what you have in Artie Burns. So, yeah, let let Graham start the rest of the way and and make so you know what you have in him.
1: Absolutely, 100%. Question number two. What do you want to see from Justin Fields? Touchdowns.
2: Keep Cairo Santos on the bench Justin you got go gotta find extra a way points, Gav well no go for, go for two yeah no I I, I want to see him score touchdowns you know like it, I I think he should be able to sustain some drives against this team against his defense as Sando just said and they give up yards um, but I want to see him finish drives and, and, and score touchdowns um I'm still waiting for the three touchdown game Same. It's going to happen.
1: I'm still waiting for Cole Komet to to catch a touchdown. Yeah. It's an early preview of my bold prediction. But (laughs) um, this is admittedly an open-ended question. Question number two, I want to see no turnovers. Some ball security. Every week, that ball is on the ground. No more of that. Protect the ball. Question number three, buying or selling? Is this team still behind Matt Nagy? Are you a believer in the fight, the energy, all that stuff, all that football lingo that we've heard the past few days? Like, is that a reflection of Matt Nagy, or is that just a reflection of guys just wanting to play football and wanting to play hard for themselves?
2: I'm going to – I think it's the latter, and I don't mean that as disrespect to Matt Nagy. I I don't – I think that this. I don't. I don't think he ever really lost a locker room, despite all those rumors around Thanksgiving. I just think that guys in there know what you have veterans who know what's under what's up, who are playing for contracts, and then you have young guys who just don't get how this stuff works. And you, you saw it on Monday night; those young guys who got an opportunity to start for the first time and are flying around—they're not doing that for Matt Nagy. I think, if anything, they're probably doing it for Sean Desai. And, you know, and they're doing it for themselves and that's okay. Like, again, I don't, I think that there is still a respect for Matt Nagy, but at this point the guys know, and and I think a lot of them are just trying to play hard to, you know, look, it's three more weeks of auditions, right? For whoever the GM is and whoever the head coach is next year.
1: I would say it's probably a combination of things. The Bears in Mark Trestman's final year won two games late in the season. They did. In that locker room was divided. People hated each other in there. Games can be won. Games can be won. Bold predictions. I don't have the soundboard again. I'm going with Cole Clement scoring a touchdown. It's got to happen, right? It's got to happen. Uh, if my guy Jesper Horst that's not playing, he's on the reserve COVID-19 list now. Eventually Cole has gotta find Pater, right?
2: You would think is is Darnell Mooney going for a hundred yards receiving a bold prediction?
1: No. Okay. Not that anymore.
2: How about the Bears go for two twice?
1: <laughs> Actually, next time you come on this podcast, you are like forbidden from doing bold predictions again. <laughs> Hey, I had a bowl prediction coming through earlier this season. You did actually. You might have had the only one this season. No, I, I get yeah. one earlier. I had one earlier this year. All right, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, Bears three five. They're on Fox. Bears at Seahawks. Seahawks. You ready for your fun fact? <laughs> okay, go ahead.
2: You go ahead. Say what the line is.
1: Okay, uh, Seahawks are giving six and a half.
2: The Bears have lost twelve in a row. When they've been at least six point underdogs, dating back to the 2018 season finale in Minnesota, when they were six point underdogs because Vegas thought they weren't going to play their starters.
1: Merry Christmas, everyone. Um. Well, yeah. Uh, Bears are going to lose this.
2: Bears, by the way, one and nine this year, just as underdogs.
1: Period. Uh, I'm going to go twenty to ten. Hmm. Twenty to ten, Seahawks.
2: I'm gonna go Seahawks, nineteen. Bears, eleven. <laughs> what? No, they're gonna go for two. But are they gonna get it? Probably. What not. are we doing here? <laughs> Maybe they go for two twice. Nineteen, twelve. Now, should they, do they think the Bears cover? Nineteen, fifteen. Seahawks, nineteen. Bears, fifteen. Bears cover.
1: And the Seahawks are getting nineteen. How?
2: Uh, touchdown, touchdown, safety, field goal
1: Okay, anyway Moving on Christmas Day, Saturday 3.30 Fox in NFL Network We got Browns at Packers, Packers minus 7.5 Rapid fire here, Kev uh, Packers Same, Packers um, They're going to win the uh, Home field I thought you were going to say Super Bowl No, I don't want to go there yet Okay. They're going to get home field Frozen Tundra in the winter. That's quite the advantage. Um, also Saturday, Christmas Day, seven fifteen, NFL Network, we have the Colts at Cardinals. A lot of good games this weekend. Um, I picked a couple of them uh, to talk about, but Colts at Cardinals, um, everybody always are the Cardinals? likes.
2: Are the Cardinals good?
1: I'm not sure anymore.
2: I don't know. If, I mean, the Colts you- are... Colts are rolling.
1: If you lose to the hot garbage Lions, that's what we've called them on this podcast for years, then you deserve to be questioned. I'm going with the Colts. Yeah, I mean Cardinals back's
2: against the wall. They're at home, but I I don't I don't think anybody wants to play Indianapolis right now. Shout out JJ Stankovitz.
1: That Colts defense is good. They run the ball exceptionally well. Carson Wentz is not good. But they know how Jonathan to control. Jonathan Taylor
2: the might get my uh, PFWA MVP vote.
1: I think he's getting mine. Sunday noon, Fox Lions at Falcons. Falcons minus five and
2: a half. Oh, you found a game worse than Bears Seahawks.
1: I gotta put Lions on
2: there. You gotta put okay. the Lions. Hey, the Lions, and that's a lot of points. I mean, the Lions just won last week. Is and Jared Goff
1: on the COVID list? Though? Oh, yeah. I can't keep track of it anymore. Actually, yeah, I
2: think he is, and he played pretty well in that game.
1: Um, I'll still,
2: I'll still take the Lions to cover. Okay. Yeah,
1: sounds about right. Yeah, Kev, it's a Hogan Johns rule that all NFC yeah, North teams have right. to be on here, just so you know.
2: Falcons. Falcons win by three. Okay, that sounds
1: about right. Noon, Fox, Rams and Vikings. I like this game. Vikings plus three. Ugh, I I told you guys. I,
2: I was not impressed at all with the Vikings on Monday night. Same here. I don't think anything impressed me, but they're they're a weird topsy turvy team and it's a tough place to play. They have to win. I don't know if they pull it off, but maybe they maybe in total Vikings fashion, like they miss an extra point and lose by one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or they seem to gain the lead early and then things get out of hand. Yeah, I I kind of
2: thought the Rams would would really roll against Seattle and they didn't. I know they they dealt with a lot of COVID issues last week too, but they're on short rest traveling. I I don't know. We'll we'll find out a lot. We'll we'll find a lot about both teams. Yeah, I'm gonna say it.
1: Rams by a touchdown. Okay. Noon, CBS, Bills at Patriots, pets minus two and a half.
2: It's a revenge spot here for Buffalo after the snow game or the wind game. Uh yeah, uh, give me the Pats. I don't. I don't want to play Belichick when they come off a, a, an ugly loss. An ugly, a loss so ugly he apologized to reporters.
1: Yeah, <laughs> how about that? Yeah. Actually, like I'm picking the Patriots in this too. But can I just give Bill Belichick some credit? I don't think people realize that he's actually. If you ask the right question, great answers. He he, he provides some great answers. I still remember the answer he gave about uh, the Long family. When We were out there for uh, joint practices some five years ago under John Fox. Remember that?
2: Yeah, you give him, you ask him about other p- players on other teams. You ask him stuff about the history of football, and if you ask him about left-footed punters, really good.
1: Yes, like very thousand-word, like very long, elongated thousand-word answers. Yeah, that's it, man. All right. Thank you for uh, filling in for Hope.
2: I, I did okay.
1: Yeah. Um, happy holidays to you and yours. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody listening. Um, that's it. Um, Hogan and I will be back on Sunday. That'll be over Zoom. Um, we will recap whatever happens in Seattle. He'll be there. We are not going to be there. We are staying home for this one. Um, celebrate Christmas with our families in the Windy City. Um, but that's it. Thank you to Mike Sando. Um, check out our stuff obviousshirts.com I got the hoodie on Kevin's got the winter hat on and yeah thank you Kevin Merry Christmas everybody
2: Merry Christmas enjoy the weekend and uh, hopefully the Bears will not ruin your don't you know what don't let the Bears ruin your holiday weekend. enjoy your holiday with your family
1: can I say one thing about the Christmas games I don't like Christmas games that it that's it that's it alright like okay they didn't have to put games on Christmas.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm with
1: you, right there. Let them stay home with their families. Anyway, thank you, everybody. Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays to everybody.
3: See ya. And I want to look them straight in the eye, and I want to tell them what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood Sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit!
0: Where's the Tylenol?